$200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, super power. You're the king, I tell you! You're listening to the SNES broadcast with your hosts, Soul Blazer and George. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Super NES Podcast, episode number 124 this time. Uh, uh, this is your two regular uh, co-hosts, as always. I'm Greg. He's George. Zoop, zoop, zoopily doop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could not find where this name came from. So, but it's uh, certainly a curious, a curious game name. But yes, uh, uh, yes uh, as you probably heard, uh, 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 we are again joined by a special uh, guest host in this episode. Uh, back to the podcast after a very long absence. I think it's been like what, like two years, probably. But it's been a while. Yeah. So uh, I'm very, I'm very pleased to, uh, very pleased to welcome um, uh, gaming dude and now author of uh, like Brett Weiss back to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? Very, uh, very well. Uh, so you've been, so you've been very busy recently. Uh, working on two Super NES books, which I was telling you before off mic, I really want to get. I just haven't had a chance to a chance to pick them up yet. I heard like some, um, your person play very good things about them. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been writing about retro games professionally since 1997, and since wow. uh, and yeah, just for I started writing for the All Game Guide a long time time ago. This database that was the whose ambition was to catalog, describe, and review every single video game that ever came out in the history of the world. Where I wrote for the All Game Guide for a long time, and then I've sort of started writing for different magazines and newspapers. And uh, in 2007, my first book came out, Classic Home Video Games 1972 through 1984. And the Classic Home Video Games series sort of does basically that, catalogs, describes, reviews every uh, game for every classic console. My latest project is the SNES Omnibus, vo- Omnibus Volumes 1 and 2. And those uh, between the two books, uh, they cover every uh, U.S. release for the Super Nintendo, including Zoop, the topic du jour. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a very daunting task, like, you know, trying to cover, like, all those games. So, um, but, well, uh, the, yeah. the SNES Omnibus books, they're, it's... Originally, I was going to do a fourth volume in the classic home video game series because the first volume covers the Atari era, second volume covers the NES Master System and Atari 7800, and then the third volume covers the Neo Geo, Genesis, and uh, Turbo Graphics. So it was time to start working on the book that would cover the Super Nintendo, Jaguar, uh, CDI, and 3DO, those you know early 90s consoles that came out then, and with the you know, the way the retro gaming uh, book publishing industry has gone, you know, bigger books, more mm, yeah. color photos, copy table books, higher production values. I decided to go a different uh, way and found a different publisher. And so these are big, uh, deluxe, hardcover books with dust jackets and, you know, a couple of thousand full color photos. You know, you right. got your box scans, cartridge photos, screenshots, ads from other, uh, like from old magazines. And um, I've got, I wrote a description, you know, basically a write-up for each game, you know, including reviews and stuff. 
and I had a lot of uh, people in the community write personal stories for the books, uh, including popular YouTubers like John Riggs and Kelsey Lewin and John Lester and uh, RGT85 and, uh, you know, people like that, you know. Uh, and I even got a best a New York Times bestselling author, John Jackson Miller, who does a lot of Star Trek and uh, Star Wars novels, bestselling novels. So it's got a wide variety of uh, nostalgic stories in the books, in addition to the, you know, the, the basic write-ups. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sounds awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree. The, the uh, uh, I definitely have noticed uh, the overall quality of retro gaming books has definitely increased a lot. Uh, definitely increased a lot, a lot in the, a lot in the, in the last couple of years. I well, mean, 10, it, 10, 15 years ago, it was very difficult to get a publisher interested in publishing exactly, right. a retro gaming book because they thought, who cares about that? That's just old junk. Well, you know, in the last 10 years or so, last 12 years, Retro gaming has snowballed and gotten more and more and more popular and mainstream. Yes. Right. So now it's easier to convince a publisher to you know come out with a really nice volume or to accept your uh, idea to begin with, and then you've got some YouTubers and people like that, uh, you know, self-publishing books, and you, you don't always have the uh, grammar, you know, the writing quality may not be as good in those because you know, uh, and some of them are good. You know, I'm not I'm not slamming anybody in particular, but you know, with self-published books. You know, you don't have a professional editor going over it. Typically, you know, they might have hired one independently, but, you know, professionally published books definitely go through a more thorough editing process and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, just because you play games or know about games doesn't necessarily make you a good writer. So the quality can vary with self-published works. And, yeah. and that's true of, you know, professionally published stuff, too. Uh, but but regardless, there's a lot of uh, retro gaming books coming out, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to... Just as a, just an example of what you're talking about, uh, uh, because I have like both versions. The the difference in quality uh, I noticed I noticed in, in all areas between like the third and fourth editions of Phoenix uh, is just simply like mm -hmm. amazing. It's like you know it's like when I hit the fourth the fourth edition last year I'm like I'm like I'm like this is the same book, but because yeah, it's totally different. By the oh, way, yeah, Greg, I didn't say anything for the last couple of minutes. I think you're talking <laughs> about Brett. Um. You use what? my Well, you're name. talking about Leonard, Leonard Herman's book, Phoenix. Yeah, it's on the oh, fourth okay. edition. Yeah, it's in the fourth edition now. Right, and, yes, um, okay. And it's, yeah, it, it, the first one was just a slim volume and without much in the way of production values. And the current edition, you know, it's got color photos and there's a color right. version and a black and white version. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's come, it's it's his book, you know, he's, he's uh, Leonard Herman's a good friend of mine and I'm, I'm perfectly cool with uh, Pushing Phoenix, great book. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And sorry for any like name confusion. Uh, the, uh, no, you're cool. Going out there, but but. Uh, well, uh, Joe Santulli, the guy that runs the uh, one of the uh, curators of the National Video Game Museum, calls me uh, Texas Lynn, referring to Leonard <laughs> Herman. <laughs> so that's uh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Joe's a great guy. Like I knew him all the way back from Digital Press days. So, yeah, yeah. But, uh, As a matter of uh, fact, Digital Press, those. Uh, that's when in the early 90s when uh, the digital press fanzine when i discovered it i was right. like wow yep. other people like atari and click of television <laughs> too because in the 90s it was hard to find anybody that liked all that you know old stuff sure and so yeah. when i discovered that you know in russ perry's slapdash fanzine and you know there were some good ones back then well the internet has well the internet has been very um has definitely brought together a lot of a lot of people who didn't realize so many of the people were interested in the same thing as they sometimes are good. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not, but so, mm, yeah, but uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> like, you know, it's definitely like a double edged sword, but you right. know, video games, 
the video games are cool for the most part, but uh, and uh, hey, yeah, we're here to and, 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 like, we're here to talk about a video game that uh, that Brett wanted to discuss. Uh, neither George or I had an experience to experience this game in the past, so I'm curious to hear from you, Brett. Uh, what's your history of this game? What do you want to talk about in the podcast? Well, I like games that are pretty much pick up and play. You know, where you don't, they're not super complex. I'm not a huge RPG guy or, or, you know, turn-based strategy. Those aren't really my favorite kind of games. I like, you know, at the end of a long day, I'm tired. I just like to blow some steam with a video game. And Zoop is one of those great games that you can just pick up and play and pretty much very quickly figure out what's going on. It's a puzzle game, but it also has elements of a shooter. And um, it's really interesting. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of... Uh, you remember Cosmic Arc for the uh, Atari 2600? Yes, You're I do. You're sort of in the shoot yeah. center, shooting outward. Right. Um, yep. Or at least, yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're talking about Digital Press. The digital, the advanced edition of the Digital Press Collector's Guide calls Zoop Cosmic Arc meets Tetris. And that's a pretty good... Huh. A description of the game you know you're because you're kind of shooting outward at these shapes that come in and uh you know you try to shoot one to the same color and all that kind of thing and um so there's puzzle elements shooter elements and it's just a fun game to pick up and play and it gets it progresses it gets harder as you go along and the music picks up it's kind of got a jazzy soundtrack and the tempo sort of sort of sort of picks up as you as you play and the game gets harder and flashier and uh, more difficult as you go along. It's just one of those great addicting puzzle games. And it's a, you know, it's a notch beneath the best puzzle games like Tetris, like uh, maybe Dr. Mario and stuff like that, but it's it's pretty darn good. Hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary like right there. Uh, let's talk about the background a little bit, so then we get into the gameplay itself. Uh, Zoop was a, uh, Zoop was developed and uh, released for multiple systems besides Super NES, yeah, uh, uh, Oh, like 1995. It was developed by a small company called Hookstone Productions. I could not find anything out there on this company. That's how obscure they are. <laughs> uh, they did not do very much in their short history. They developed this game, but they developed one other one other puzzle game called Sentinel Returns uh, for both the PC and the PlayStation. And they tried to develop a third game, but the third game, the third game of that game never got released. What was that game uh, called? Uh, Set No Returns was the other game that they oh, okay. owned, uh, developed. It's a, uh, 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 it's also a puzzle game, a puzzle game, but very different right. than Zoop, um, as far as as far as gameplay goes. So, um, Zoop was published by uh, Viacom, uh, New Media, uh, the big, the um, uh, the big entertainment, uh, the big entertainment like. Uh, company, which, like many other entertainment companies of the uh, of the day, was also uh, also established a video game branch to publish games. Uh, we've mm-hmm. already covered we've already covered Viacom and, and past episodes. So I wouldn't spend too much time uh, here talking about it. Um, but Viacom really, but, but, but yeah, Viacom really pushed this game hard because they wanted it to be successful. This was a whole, you know, the early '90s. There was a whole puzzle craze going on because of Tetris, um, and other games like that. So, uh, so they wanted the game uh, published on multiple systems. Uh, that uh, that uh, that same year, that same year, 1995, besides the Super NES, it also came out for Genesis. Uh, the, uh, there was a DOS version, the Macintosh. PlayStation and also the game, uh, the Game Boy, uh, and the Game Gear, and the Jaguar. Um, yeah, oh. yep. The following year, yep. The following year, the Jaguar also got a version of the game, and uh, man, in Japan only the Saturn. Oh, okay, uh, Japan only for the Saturn. 
Yeah, which makes sense. The Saturn, you know, Saturn was very popular uh, in Japan, more popular than it was over here in the West. So, well, yeah. I have uh, the PlayStation One version of Zoop in the uh, long box, which is kind of cool. I like to collect the ooh. long box games. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and one thing I did notice between the uh, two comparable ones, the Super Nintendo. Well, the PlayStation one's pretty similar to the Genesis, and uh, there's not. The, you know, they seem. Uh, to the Genesis and Super Nintendo ones, but, but directly between the Genesis and Super Nintendo games, at least for me, the Super Nintendo one controls better. Mm. Uh, when you're playing the Genesis one, the the D-pad doesn't seem to be as uh, accurate. Sometimes you'll push a button, you'll try to make your shooter go in one direction, and it'll go in the other, and it just uh, the controls don't seem as sure mm. or as accurate on the Genesis one. So uh, the the Super Nintendo one's tighter, and uh, it may just be the controller itself handles that kind of game better because I think the Super Nintendo controller is superior. <laughs> well, but, I feel that. Know, that's me. Yeah, I feel that way too. But <laughs> yeah, um, or you know, maybe just for this game, it, whatever reason, this I, I feel like the Super Nintendo one controls a little better. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good observation. Uh, I, I've not played any of the other versions of the games. I can't really comment on that. Same. Uh, uh, most most of the versions of the game, as uh, as you noted, Brett, are, are pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, really, the really the only difference, really the only major differences between the versions are the Jaguar version uh, has um, uh, has a uh, has a different soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack of that version of the game is more like more jazz styled. Um, well, the it's got a pretty jazzy sound on the Genesis and Super Nintendo one too. It, it may be right, a different yep, soundtrack, yep. but it's the same genre. Yeah. And also, oh yeah, also, uh, the Game Boy version also features the multiplayer mode, the only version that does. Ooh. Really? Yes. That's cool. Because, see, one, one record, when I was playing the, you know, working on my Super Nintendo book and Genesis book and everything, I was thinking, man, this really needs a two-player simultaneous mode, because <laughs> that would be really fun. But the Game Boy has one, you say? Yes. Yes, it does. So, Very cool. But, uh, that's yeah, weird, because so, I uh, can definitely see their, uh being room for multiplayer whether competitive cooperative or maybe even both uh right not sure what the story is on that but i think that'd be really cool like you just maybe have two people on the same like in the same area just maybe trying to help each other or even trying to mess each other up or something i don't know or maybe like battle zoop yeah should have created a, a sequel battle, battle zoop yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. If, if, if it would have sold a little better, maybe they would have uh, come up with Battlezoop. That'd be the perfect sequel. <laughs> right? Uh, well, since you since you brought it up, let me take a quick look at this uh, online to see how multiplayer works in the Game Boy version. Uh, like Probably link cables. Uh, well, well, uh, well, I'm curious to see about whether the... Um, the uh, whether it's whether it's uh, cooperative, uh, the cooperative or not. But, One uh, tiny bit of trivia: the graphic, the uh, Jaguar version does have uh, a battery, high scores to save to the cartridge. Oh, oh, very little, nice. Yeah, I'm sure the Game Boy version. I'm sorry, what were you saying? No, go ahead. Oh, that was, that was I, the only I was just gonna the... say, um, pro the Game Boy version with the multiplayer is probably just like um, probably competitive. But yeah, you know. might have two ships up, two implements or ships or whatever you call them out there uh, shooting at once and trying to compete to get the most score, the highest score or something, just to get yeah, the most. Yeah, I don't. That'd be fun. I don't know how much the data transfer is on that cable, but I know a decent amount of games were like you know slower games. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I can't. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's something out here showing multiplayer mode. I will say, however, that the game, you know, considering it's on the Game Boy, uh, the gameplay is very solid. They did a great job with the shapes to the shapes on a black and white system to differentiate them. Uh, well, that's you know, the Game Boy was a pretty good system for puzzles. Yeah. Know, cause yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. Puzzle game. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but right. uh, that's where the so, Cross series started. Right. Was on the Game Boy. Right. So, so, um, so, like, so also, like, so also as part of the promotion, uh, the heavy promotion that Viacom gave the game upon release, uh, Blockbuster offered the, the Blockbuster had a promotion uh, themselves like the game as part of a uh, rent one get one free deal, uh, where like you rented the game and paid for it, you were allowed to rent the second game uh, free, uh, uh, like in the store. Huh. That's cool. Nice. So. But uh, yeah, so like you know, like a very major, like a very major push. Um, the game. Well, speaking play... of, oh, just real quick, speaking yeah, of sure. uh, publicity for the ad, I mean for the game, uh, the video game critic, uh, videogamecritic.com, him commenting on Zoop for the Jaguar, he says, I fondly recall the hilarious magazine ads for this game in the mid '90s that scientifically explained how Zoop would system systematically drive a person mad. <laughs> so that was one thing about puzzle games, the advertising for them, they would talk about, you know, different ones, how they'd make you insane or crazy or addicted or whatever, you know, they, it was like a positive to have a mental condition over these games, some of these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the game's official slogan was America's largest cure of time. So, right. uh, well, but... you know, when someone says a game is addicting, like it's a negative, I'm like, no, it's not. That means it's good. <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, unless you let it control your life, right? right. This is true. This is true. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, also, finally, uh, like, also, finally, as a side note, uh, this was the this was the only game that Viacom published uh, published their history of publishing uh, publishing games during this time period that was actually original. Uh, everything else Viacom hmm. published was uh, uh, everything else everything else Viacom published was tied to one of their properties. Uh, like in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, I guess they just really liked this game and wanted to, you know, and you know, and that was going to be a success. So, it's a cool game. You know, it's a very, it's one of those games that's both intense and relaxing at the same time. I mean, the the colorful graphics are sort of easy to look. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just calming colors and the jazzy soundtrack. You know, it's just a game you can not really hard to figure out. You can just right. kick back and relax and play it. But at the same time. Once you get a few levels in, or if you select a higher difficulty level, level or a higher, um, you know, higher skill level or a higher level in general, at the beginning and the option screen, you know, it's hard right away. But either way, it's a, it's a fun, relaxing game to play. It's like Tetris, yes. you know, you can start. It's all <laughs> relaxing and slow, and then yep. you get to the point where it just starts ramping up and everything's going crazy. And you're like, oh no, oh no, and then right. yeah, it's over. Right. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, actually, actually, I was going to ask you, Brent, since you had the most experience with the game, uh, why don't you describe the gameplay like those out there, like players like played it? Okay, so the object of the game is basically to eliminate a random sequence of colored objects that advance toward you from the four sides of the square-shaped grid, because it's like a it's like a square, it's like a grid, and you're in the center part with this like triangle, and all these uh, these different shapes advance on you while you're playing so you can you can shoot upward downward left and right if you shoot if you shoot a shape that is the same color as you it disappears from the screen 
and you can shoot entire rows of the same color can be destroyed at once if you shoot them. If you shoot a shape of a different color, your, your uh, firing implement will switch colors with that shape and the shape will remain on the grid. So say if you're wanting to shoot a row of green shapes that are coming in, but your firing implement is blue, you should point somewhere else to shoot a green and then you go back to that row that's coming on you and you, you shoot at that row because it's close to you. You don't want the uh, shapes getting all the way into the little box where you are in the center of the screen. So if there's a long row of something, you should shoot it fast because you know you, you, you can't let it get in the, in the middle or the game will end. Unlike Tetris where items fall to the bottom, these advance from the edges of the screen inward to the center where you are. And you wanna shoot them to keep them out of the middle, but you have to shoot ones of the same color. And so if you shoot one of these sh shapes uh, that's a different color, it'll turn your ship to that color and then you can shoot, you know, light colors. So if that makes sense. It's kind of like Dr. Mario, but you're shooting the colors out and you're obviously not trying to kill viruses, but right, yeah. Yeah. or, or kind of like Bejewel, but you're shooting things out or columns kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's similar it, it, to a lot of games, but the uh, uh, games, the gameplay, the, the, the actual gameplay mechanic in this game is very unique. I can't think of a yeah, game. Yeah, it's different. Like yeah. You're, you're in the center shooting outward, and, right. and, and they're advancing on you. And you just want to shoot the ones of the same color as your ship, and that'll eliminate them from the screen. And to change the color of your ship, you shoot a particular color. And uh, it's very, it, it works really well, really smooth, really cool. And when you have cleared enough shapes from the play field, you advance to the next level and the action gets faster and the screen gets a little more crowded. Right. There's 99 levels. <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> and I rarely so. reach the 99th level. You know, these games that brag they have 100 levels or whatever, you know, how many people actually get to the end? Maybe a small percentage. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also a nice touch when you go through the game. Um, it says the game speeds up and just that there's a game speed that speeds up and it's like go through levels. Uh, the background also changes. Uh, yeah, so it's like, so it's like various backgrounds, uh, backgrounds that the game uses. Uh, a lot of them remind me about like like Windows screensaver, like uh, <laughs> uh, right. yes, like art. So, yes, yeah, know. the for, for a system as powerful as the Super Nintendo that runs Donkey Kong Country, the graphics are definitely pretty darn simplistic. Well, yeah. Well, but yeah. They work and the there's game. nothing wrong with being simplistic. Right. Yeah, you don't need yeah. you don't need uh, elaborate graphics for a game like this. If if you had them too elaborate, they'd probably get in the way of the gameplay or confuse the screen. Right. Or, sure. Yeah. You know, so they're fine the way they are. Right. Yeah. So the gameplay is a little bit hard to describe verbally, but once you actually start playing the game, you pick it up like pretty quick. I mean, like you know, it takes a you know, um, well, it, at least for me, it took a bit to figure out what was going on. But once I got the hang of it, uh, like um, you, you have to, uh, after point after point after point, the play just clicks. Yeah. Um, um, you figure out what you have to do. So. Are you one of these people that jumps right in without reading the manual? Uh, I did not read the manual for this one, <laughs> mostly because I was because the fact that you know I was doing research research the podcast first. Right. Uh, I already uh, I already found the gameplay, so I'm like, okay, yeah. I can handle this. But well, I read so. a manual as a last resort. I like to try the game first and kind right. of see if I know what I'm doing, and then I'll go to the manual if I have to. I do the same, even with the RPGs, which is <laughs> probably a bad idea. But yeah, right. hey, right. I still figure it out. 
Hey, who remembers being a kid and sitting in the back seat, anxiously opening your game on the way home and reading the manual on the yep. way home from the store? And by the time you get home, you know how to play. I do. <laughs> yes. Right? I mean, cool. I come from an era where these games give you tutorials and whatnot, but still, like, I, that was, it's so weird to, to, think back on that and say yeah i used to do that as well because like I, nowadays games have like a little piece of paper or whatever that says hey yeah. go, go to this website for the manual right i miss <laughs> the days of the nice thick instruction manual they're just kind of neat yes. to censor especially if they some of them had comic strips some of them were in color some of them had kind of puns throughout or information like the Activision games had information about the designers and things like that. Yeah, right. I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when, you know, manuals started getting more sparse and it was really sad. Right, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But anyway, so uh yeah, so um we already like we already like mentioned the the um uh, the graphics the, the graphics game quite like quite a bit. Uh, they're not they're, they're not super fancy, but they're nice. Yeah, they get the job done. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're pleasant to look at. They're fine. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like good choice of colors. Like you know, like no confusing, mm -hmm. like no confusing the pieces. Uh, yeah, like if is, you're playing sometimes when you're playing Trivial Pursuit, just the board game, not not the video game, but just the board game. And oh, right, is right, that yeah, orange yeah, or yeah, pink? Yeah. What is that? Oh, There's nothing like uh, that in this game. They're yep, they're very yeah, distinctive so. and clear. Right. So. Trivial Pursuit, yeah. the best way to test your colorblindness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, very simple graphics. I, I mean, like, you know, they were done simple, simple on purpose because, like I said, this game was, you know, this game was, this game was released uh, on multiple systems. So they wanted to try to keep it like as universal as possible. Um. So. Uh. But yeah. So, but yeah. Like, but yeah. Good choice of colors. Like, it's good. Um, looks very pleasing with Super NES for sure. Yeah. Uh, we already mentioned the music a little bit. Uh, the, uh, the, the soundtrack of this game is very good. Uh, it has a very, you know, it has a very like, you know, you know, some pieces, you know, you know, some pieces are very jazz sounding. Other pieces, the other pieces are like a very like soft rock. So. The only thing I don't remember if the I don't I, I don't remember the music doing this, but like when everything starts piling up and you're you're in that panic moment, the game the right. music doesn't like change or anything, right? No, it does. It gets more tense. Right. Okay. It it, it kind of speeds up a little. It seems yes. at least it's, yep. I don't think that was totally in my head. <laughs> no. I no, think it kind of intensifies so. a little, but it still has that jazzy. You know, you hear some like something that sounds like a xylophone here and there. I don't, yeah, I don't remember the game really making you feel that that sense of panic like other puzzle games will do when it's like. Oh no, you're almost there. You're almost at your limit. You're about to lose the game. It's like, ah, oh, I'm panicking. This game like is. Like when you're drowning in Sonic and you hear that horrible sound. Right. <laughs> this game is a little more, like, more relaxing detailed. with that. So you don't. You, you're not really panicking, at least not as much when you're right. uh, about to lose. Yeah. Right. It, it kind yeah. of. Uh, it kind of goes down a little easier. Losses go down a little easier because it kind of has a genteel quality to it. Right. Right. Plus, also to be fair, uh, you know, you know, um, not that you have a chance to notice this when the game gets frantic, but the game does. You know, but the game does. Uh, uh, but the game does do one nice thing. I appreciate. Uh, it gives you a warning. Uh, warnings what lines can have a block. Um, uh, mm -hmm. a, a, a shape. A, a shape appear next. Yes. Having like a box, like a box flash there. So, uh, so if you notice that, you have time to time to time to try to take care of it before like it um, crowds onto your. Crowds and on it your also plane has there. continues. 
<laughs> yes, it does. Thank God for that. Yes, um, got to have them in this game. Yep, and it's also a score system, which you can use just as you know, just for you know, just you know, just for bragging rights, just to see like how well you do. Right. So, right. Uh, because obviously, like Tetris, uh, you know, the more sheep you kill at once, the more points you get. So, right. uh, one thing you just this game say has... you kill them. Did you just say you kill them? Who yes, says there's violence them. in this game, Greg? You're just sw <laughs> you're just matching colors. Why does it have to have can violence? You <laughs> can you truly kill a shape? <laughs> can you can you kill a color? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You, you, <laughs> oh, uh, Greg, Greg's playing those violent video games. <laughs> uh, but one thing this game does have that Tetris, that, that, that Tetris did not have is power-ups. Uh, like power-ups really like save your butt sometimes. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are four power-ups in this game. Just talk about them. Uh, just to cover them real quick. Uh, a star will clear one row or one column, like on one side, uh, which could be great for like get, you're getting rid of, um, which could be great for like getting rid of a row that's just about to kill you. Um, the paint blob will clear all the shapes that are the same color as the first shape you hit on that side only. So basically, like if, for example, like you you activate the weapon and you hit a blue a, a blue shape, any of the blue shapes on that side of the screen, uh, like also like, like go bye bye also. So uh, that's uh, you know that you know uh, so that's a pretty like you know handy if like any power up. Um, the lightning bolt will clear any shape directly next to the first shape it hits in the next two layers after that. So it's kind of like almost like a bomb almost where uh, you're supposed to, like a lightning bolt. So, right. Um, yeah, that, that definitely adds some uh, little dynamic action to the to the proceedings. Right. And the most rarest and most powerful and and, and useful of the power ups the spring. Uh, if you uh, 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 you have to collect this one numerous times for it to like for it to work. But if you collect five if you, springs, if you collect five, the entire playfield will be cleared out. Yes, which is awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. No doubt. So that can really like save your butt sometimes. So uh, right. yeah, the power, yeah, the power ups are nice. I mean, like you know, they they help you without really being like, overpowered. I think. Right. So, yeah. So I mean, they're very like beneficial. It's but, a well, uh, it's a well balanced game. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think the game gets too frantic too fast i'm never able to get past the um you're past the um you're past the 30s yeah but um but so but yeah it's a very challenging very unique puzzle game uh like for sure uh you already mentioned the controls earlier brett the controls of the game handle like pretty well yeah yeah they do so definitely I mean, better like, than the genesis version from what i've experienced what's uh uh what um i just just curious what just curious why you said that having not played the genesis version myself yeah, it just it just doesn't feel as tight or as uh, just kind of it's not as accurate. You know, you pretty much always point the direction you want to in the Super Nintendo version and the Genesis version. Sometimes when you push to the left, it'll go up, or at least you thought you pushed to the left. It just doesn't seem as accurate and as precise. Hmm, interesting. But uh, just feels uh, a little looser. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other, so one other like interesting thing uh, I learned, I learned about this game. I researching it as also part of the promotion, promotion that Viacom Blockbuster was giving this game very heavily. Uh, this game was also featured in the second, uh, like in the second um, uh, World Video Game Championship uh, that Blockbuster did uh, back in 1995. Uh, like, uh, uh, like along the Bucky Kirby's Kirby's Avalanche, and then the Live 95. And the fact this game was included in that. When it wasn't even like released yet, uh, they already announced that they announced that they announced this game is going to be on the competition before the game even got released, which is like hmm. which is like very like 
really uh moment so yeah they really they really tried to push this game hard yeah i didn't i i didn't know that off the top of my head anyway that it was uh, part of the blockbuster championship zoop yeah uh yeah i did not even know about them because i didn't have any blockbusters like near me growing up so right uh, you know i heard about them like a hindsight so um so uh i guess the only so i guess the only flaws you know, uh the only uh, the only the only problem that I really had with the uh, the only problem that I really had with this game was the fact that you know like I said you know I just I think it's challenging challenging very fast I can't play this game for as long as Tetris for example mm-hmm. but you know like uh, you know I stack a puzzle games overall but anyway but uh, um, so uh, and yeah also the fact that uh, the only so the only like so the only drawback uh, I'd probably say and this may just have been uh, um, and this may just be because of that um, you know, uh, um, emulation. Uh, every now and then, when they actually get frantic, there was a little bit of slowdown. I noticed. Uh, yeah, I didn't really, uh, really? pick that up. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't notice, I didn't notice that, that either. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe could just be the emulation. Computer. Yeah, could be, but. So, uh, George, uh, I know that you probably are not, uh, you know, um, so uh, I, so I believe at least that, but you know, you know, that like me, you're not a huge puzzle fan. Uh, I like you puzzle think games, you know, I like yeah. a good Picross, I like Tetris, you know. Sure. Yeah. So on and so forth. But this this game really was not my game. Ooh, why is that? I just I didn't for some reason it just didn't really catch me. You know, I could I mean I most certainly can see why. People like this game, for sure. But for some reason, this this game just wasn't for me. I didn't. So really... you saw it as playable, but not your cup of tea. Right, right, right. It, exactly. Um, the whole thing of like moving this like arrow or ship around, and I don't know. It, it just, I don't know. It was it was just weird. It, it I, I can't exactly explain. It just certainly wasn't my type of game. Maybe, at maybe it just. You know how everything just stacked up, and I was just like, "I'm not good at this game." I don't know. <laughs> right. Fair enough. Yeah. That's actually a very good tie-in, uh, like a uh, um, uh, nice section, because uh, when this game got released, the reviews were all over the place too. I mean, you know, some people loved it, some people hated it. So. It's a quirky title. I can see why people wouldn't like it, and I can see why people do. Yeah, it's a quirky yeah. title. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, like these review scores, I mean, you have anywhere from like Next Generation giving it like two out of five stars all the way up to like uh, all game giving it like four out of five stars. Um, so, like, you know, like, and so Nintendo Power was 12.7 out of 20. Game Pro gave it like four, um, uh, 14, like 14.5, um, to, like a 20. Uh, the current aggregate score of the game on game rankings is 63 and a half percent. The video game critic at videogamecritic.com gives it a B, and yeah. out of 29 reader votes, they gave it a C plus. Okay. So yeah, it's all over the map. Yeah. Right. So yeah, so it's like uh, the most things. So yeah, so like um, EGM didn't cover the Super NES version specifically, you know, like you know, they covered the Game Gear version. But it's like they're, uh, you know, they're four viewers because EGM back then, you know, yeah, four people to cover their games. They were all, yeah, they were they were all over the place too. Like you know, two mm-hmm. of them, uh, one of them, one of them loved it, one of them hated it. Like the two people, they were in the middle. So, right. <laughs> so as, as, that pretty as, much typifies this game. Right. So. Uh, basically, the comments spoke 
with comments like both well, like pro and con being uh, uh you know that means basically that some people thought the game was too busy too much work involved in it compared to like games like tetris um it, uh it didn't uh the biggest complaint and i think george touched upon this the, uh did he find the game addictive I mean, um, you know, uh, Tetris definitely is a very addictive, addictive quality to it, along with some puzzle games out there. They, and most people who knocked the game just said the game didn't have that must-keep-playing factor to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't well, have that myself. Right. I didn't have that feeling. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they you know they praise the music. You know, they praise the graphics. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, they said the game was, like, very unique. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, but... Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, somebody, you know, somebody made the very, like, you know, the very, the very subtle observation that the, the eye tracking backgrounds in later levels can make the game a, a fight more difficult because it's like, it's, um, uh, uh, it's because that combined with all the frantic action, the gameplay makes the, you know, makes the game like a lot more difficult and like, you know, reminds um, me of Qbert 3 a little bit where the backgrounds get kind of crazy. Oh yeah. Right. Long, long time to cover that game on this podcast. So that was one of the first games we covered. So, yeah. um, anyway, so finally, I think that probably game pro when they covered the Jaguar version, some of the game, probably the best, uh, like want to summarize all the reviews, the, like all the reviews and all the opinions about the game. They basically said, uh, like the summary, a classic, no addictive. Yes. So that's, yeah. but, uh, for certain people. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, that's, uh, I, I, I so I kind of feel, I kind of feel in the middle of like you guys, um, because I, because I like puzzle games. I don't love them. I'm not great at them, but you know, I do like puzzle games. I certainly have played the heck out of like Tetris, Dr. Mario, whatnot over the years. And this game mm-hmm. just not as good as, and you know, and, and, and um, and as you guys said, this game, this game, just this game, just, just not as good as them. Uh, right. however, However, it's however it's perfectly good. However, however, what it is, it, I think it's a perfectly good puzzle game. I mean, it's uh, you know it's well programmed. It, it programmed, it's well put together. Uh, the graphics, and music are very good. Uh, the gameplay is unique, certainly. It just like yeah. you know, it, it just like it's really one of those games. It's really, one of those, it's really, it's really one of those games where I'm like, if you like puzzle games, this is a really a game you have to try to see if you like it or not. It's kind of like you know, you know, like um, it's kind of like an acquired taste. There's a game called Killer Bees for the Odyssey 2. Yes, I played now, it. Oh, yes. It, yes. Yeah. It's not like Zoop, but it does have something in common with it. You can't really fully appreciate what it is until you actually play it. Right. Right. Because so. it's so odd and unusual. You just have to play it to know whether you like it or not. Right. So, but yeah, so definitely. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, Zoop back then was given a big push. I don't, um, I, um, you know, nowadays, I don't think nowadays, I don't, I, I, I don't think the game gets talked about that much. Uh, Viacom stores, the, uh, Viacom stores the rights to the game, but there's, uh, but obviously, but obviously, they're not going to do anything with it. Let me rephrase yeah. that a little bit. Obviously, you have to play any game to know whether you like it or not. <laughs> but what I mean is, you have to play it before you even really can grasp what type of game it is. I'll put it. That's right. what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like you know anybody who enjoys puzzle games probably should like give this a shot, just see what they think. Yeah, not. yeah, um, I recommend I recommend it, and I give it pretty high marks in my uh, Super SNES Omnibus. I don't do a grading system because I want it, I want just people to read it and just sort of come away from it just from what they've read. I, I didn't do stars or numbers or grades or anything like that. But yeah, I, I like that better it because it, high it, review. It, it it seems like uh, people like to you know 
Oh, he gave this four stars, but this one's three. But he says he recommends both, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just yeah. check out the four star one. And yeah, no, right. I kind of prefer a system that that's like, do you recommend this? Yes, no, maybe, depends. So on yeah, and so and forth. And the something like, the oh, game. three stars, you know? Right. Yeah. I wanted people to judge it but based on my describing the game rather right. than some arbitrary value Number, yeah. and, I, and i don't knock that system if it works for some people but uh for me i just didn't want to do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah uh yeah very yeah very interesting game certainly like very unique so i appreciate you i appreciate you bringing this to the table Brad, absolutely it was, a, it was a pretty cool game to talk about yeah because otherwise because otherwise i don't think i would have played it but right. um um i might have i might have like played it at some point it's okay sitting in a rom collection on my pie and it's like (laughs) i don't know what's this it's got a z in the title and it's all the way at the bottom but what is this let's play roulette yeah well well according to wikipedia and i'm not really sure you know like take that with a grain of salt obviously but (laughs) uh uh zooped is a british slang term meaning to clear something so I guess oh, where the name okay. of the game came, uh, so so I guess where the name of the game uh, came from. So, but uh, uh, George, did you have anything else you want to say about this game? Uh, I mean, you already said what you thought about it, but anything else? Um, no, not really. Okay, I think we've covered it pretty well. Yeah. Uh, this, yep, and actually, uh, maybe maybe reflective of the fact that this game probably probably received a big print run because of how much it was pushed. Maybe, maybe because of the fact that people kind of, kind of, you kind of forgotten the kind of, the kind of forgotten about these days. Uh, this is probably the cheapest game I've ever, uh, the cheapest game I've seen in the history of the podcast on eBay to pick up a copy. I mean, the prices oh. of this are are ridiculously low. <laughs> How low? Um. Well, the games, the games, the, the games. First of all, the games, the games, pretty easy to find. Super NES version alone, eighty-one copies currently listed. Currently listed on there, 24, 26 copies I recently sold. You can have a cart, a cart, a cart only this game. Uh, these prices include shipping, by the way, for as low as four dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's four. a that's a good for a Super Nintendo. Yeah, there's not many. That's a great price. Not yeah. many non-sport Super Nintendo games that are under five bucks. Yeah, right, exactly. So yeah, uh, car prices car prices range away from like four ten dollars. CIB bad. wasn't a, a CIB was not that much more expensive either. So CIB's copies sold anywhere from like eleven eleven fifty to eighteen dollars. Are there any yeah. sealed listings? Yes, and yes, and get these prices. Two copies sealed recently sold. One of them was not in very good shape, so it only sold for um, uh, so several got like eleven dollars for it. Uh, wow. But one that was a mint copy, a mint, a, a mint sealed copy. So for like so for twenty seven dollars and fifty cents. Wow, hmm. wow, that's so, the cheapest sealed game we've seen on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> cheapest, cheap, cheapest prices. Period. I have any games yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, Jeopardy, Jeopardy for the Super Nintendo is another cheap sealed game that might give it. Uh, that might be uh, similar. <laughs> oh yeah, many. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did we? I know we covered Jeopardy that game, was still right? hanging around at KB we Toys cover late this game. in yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't remember the prices on that game though. I don't either. I, I, yeah, I don't either. I, I don't either. I have to go back, like look at the and look at the um uh the uh, uh you know, look at the episode. So, yeah. but uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, speaking about the like, release, uh, Brett already mentioned 
this was this was this was pretty middle of the road for Super NES Genesis as far as lifespan goes. But Brett already mentioned he, that he had a long box copy of the game, which is only used for the PlayStation's like first what six months. Uh, it's very uh, early, yes. Right. Whereas, whereas by comparison, this is one of the last games to come out uh, like the Jaguar. So, uh, very interesting uh, history of history of console development uh, uh, of like you know where this game got released, looking at the various. Uh, ebbs and flows of the consoles that were out this uh, it's like and, doom it was on almost right. everything <laughs> yes hmm. yes well exactly so that's hence probably why the game's so cheap because like you know not because it's a bad game just because like you know like they probably produce like tons of tons 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 of copies of it so but anyway that's anyway that's good for us because you know like i said viacom's just sitting on the uh, viacom just sitting on the rights these days and the game's never gotten released anywhere else over the years so uh you know yeah very like very cheap game to pick up Zoom yeah, two coming out next year. Radar and is it isn't in huge demand, so it's cheap. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely well, the demand most certainly affects the price of the game. Yeah. So if I, nobody wants Zoop, then yeah. right, you can get Zoop for four dollars. You know. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's well, nice. a few more people will be looking for it now, maybe. <laughs> it's going to go up by two cents. Oh no. Yeah. After this podcast releases, <laughs> it'll go up by two cents. <laughs> well. Oh, no. Well, we're giving a quick look. The, the, um, uh, uh, the, the, the Genesis, the Genesis, and the PlayStation versions are pretty, you know, pretty cheap. You're pretty cheap, also. Yeah. Uh, the Game Boy version commands a bit, a bit higher price, probably because of the multiplayer feature. Uh, Maybe the Jag, uh, the Jaguar, the Jaguar, and the Saturn versions are the most expensive. Because I'd love to play a small. multiplayer version of this game. Yeah, like I said, I'm very curious to see how it plays the Game Boy. I couldn't find anything online talking about it, so I imagine it's probably like, uh, you know, like I, I imagine, I imagine, I, I imagine you probably take turns because you'd have to probably do some major rewrite of the code to handle you know, to handle two players. Well, if it's, so yeah. I mean, to, if you took turns, it's, I mean, if it's not really two-player co-op, then I wouldn't think yeah. unless you're just working on the same. I mean, there's right. certain games where I would imagine it's a link cable, but who knows? Yeah. I, I don't, I can't, I can't say. Right. Uh, one last thing. Uh, there is a. Uh, there is actually. There is actually a code. Uh, there is actually a code in this game. Um, if you want to cheat for whatever reason, and this is pretty like minor, like minor cheat code. You, can, you go to where it says level and type in I C P O I N T S, which is I C points. You get a thousand points. Wow, that's a terrible code. <laughs> 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 Yeah, well, it's in the game, so I'm, I'm just reporting on it. But it's not as good as uh, what is I forget what game it is, but there's a game that you specifically type in "help me" and it <laughs> gives you a bunch of stuff. Oh nice. yeah, yep, yep. So, but anyway, um, I think it's uh, I think think that's pretty much all we have to say about this game. Uh, Brett, so once again, we thank you very much for taking time out of your busy life to come to come on the podcast and for bringing us like. You you and for bringing us like a game that you really enjoy. Oh, I'm happy to do so. And if you don't mind, I'd like to mention that I've started a YouTube show recently. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's called Tales from a Retro Gamer. And um, if you look for me on YouTube, just look my name, Brett Weiss, B-R-E-T-T-W-E-I-S-S. If anybody wants to subscribe, I'd really appreciate it. I'm trying to build up my subscriber base and get the word out more. Um, What I do is I talk about gaming back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, mostly. And it's from someone who was there at the time. Um, I remember my first game I played, uh, I played uh, in 1975. I remember playing Midway's Gunfight and Pong at the skating rink, Bowling Alley, those kind of places. 
and late in 1975, my cousin got Pong in his room, which just in his bedroom for Christmas, just which just blew my mind. Uh, in 76, my two best friends each had a Fairchild Channel F, and 77, obviously, and on Atari and television, and on and on and on. And I've got a ton of stories to tell from gaming back then. And so every episode, I, re- I release a new episode each Tuesday at 2 o'clock Central Standard Time. And again, it's called Tales from a Retro Gamer. And you can just find it by looking up my name, Brett Weiss, B-R-E-T-T-W-E-I-S-S. And I've got tons of great stories, including uh, the time I asked Ozzy Osbourne if he wanted to play Pac-Man. True story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that episode is up. Yeah, there's actually there's I actually subscribed. Of... <laughs> Excellent, thank you. You're welcome. There, there are actually there are actually a lot of celebrities who enjoy games. Uh, 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 I mean, one sort, you know, one sort like or another. Uh, yeah, a lot of them take them with their, like with the actors. They'll have a game system in their trailer. Some of them yep, have them on yep. tour buses and stuff. But I can tell you, Ozzy Osbourne is not a gamer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Although it's... one of his band members is, or one yeah, of his right. old. This was in 1986. Yeah, and the, we followed their tour bus to a restaurant, and one of their band members played some pole position. Hmm. So you'll have to watch the episode to get all the gory details. It's pretty cool. It's awesome, cool. So weird. I know it's like 2019, but um, for some reason, it's still very interesting to hear that X celebrity or Y comedian or whomever that has some kind of name, you know enjoys games and yeah. have a history with them it's like wow but i mean we're definitely starting to see more and more of that but still yeah. at the same time we're all like surprised every time we hear about it <laughs> we shouldn't be they're just people like us they just, right? you know lots of people like games apparently robin williams is one of the biggest gamers he named oh, his, yeah. apparently he named his kid zelda yeah i believe yeah that's why yeah, um yeah. that's why he was in uh, a few uh, nintendo commercials for uh uh one of the i think it was like one of the ds legend of zeldas or something like that i think so that sounds right yeah and way back in the day uh, you would see profiles in like vidiot magazine of some celebrity playing some game and what games they played and stuff it's i still find it interesting yeah 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 Yeah, definitely so uh, absolutely um are you working on any books right now, Brett, or are you just taking a break from writing like right now? Well, after I finished the two-volume Super Nintendo set, I took about uh, I took a few months off because I was just absolutely exhausted and drained. Sure, and I even, I, yeah, I that the volume two was my tenth book, so I've written a whole encyclopedia on the band Kiss. I've, I've written the three-volume classic home video game set. Wow. I wrote the 100 greatest console video games 1977 through 1987, and you know, so I've written a bunch of books, and I've written over, I've had over 1,600 articles published in different magazines, newspapers, and websites and stuff. So I just took a pretty big break from from most writing, and right now I'm working on a, I've had some time off from that, and I'm, my batteries are recharged for that kind of thing, and I've got a big project in the works but my publisher won't let me announce it yet, unfortunately. Uh, but That's quite fine. Yeah, yeah so probably late this year, or early next, I'll be able to, to discuss it, post about it and stuff. But it's going to be a biggie, and it's going to be really cool. But yeah. if you want to keep up with all my stuff, uh, Twitter, you can find me at Brett Weiss, C-H-V-G. Instagram, uh, Brett Weiss Retro Gamer. And right now, most importantly, since it's a project I'm really trying to get going, just like I said, check me out on YouTube, just under Brett Weiss, B-R-E-T-T-W-E-I-S-S. I appreciate it. 
Awesome. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, yep. Uh, so definitely check out his stuff. Like, you know, I've read some of his books in the past, and they're all like excellent stuff. So I definitely check out the YouTube channel. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun talking about Zoop with you guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, do you want to reach uh, George, like George and myself, like for whatever reason? Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> why would you want to talk would to you those not guys? Want to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can send us an email if you want to to the SNES podcast yahoo.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a group on there. Uh, or you can also like leave a play. You can also like, leave a review on iTunes. That'd be appreciated. Um, uh, we also we also have a, we also have a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash SNES podcast. Where for a little dollar a month, you can get uh, shout out shout out on the episode. As I'm doing right now to Chad, Richard, and Savannah. Thank you guys very much for backing us. Uh, for higher tiers, you can also get early access episodes, dictated episodes, episodes to us, uh, and so on. Um, very sh- so, like very shortly, we're going to be covering uh, um, a covering game actually that a Patreon person asked for. Uh, so, uh, but we are not there quite yet because it's George's George's turn to pick next. What are we covering next time? Are you podcast, faking George? me out like last time, or is it actually my my pick? We're going on to. It is actually your pick. Okay. So uh, I picked the game Bahamut Lagoon. Yes. Very good. Very good square RPG that never came out here in the West, unfortunately. So. But, yeah, uh, that's one I've not played. I'm, I'm, I don't do imports too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, it, if you look at the list of podcast episodes, a lot of the import games are from... Actually, we've had a huge influx of import games we covered just because of me on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Plus also like Bahamut yeah. Lagoon because uh, plus also the fact that Bahamut Lagoon because it was a square game was one of the very first games we translated uh you know my fans way back when. Oh so. yeah, years ago. Oh god, long oh, time. Yeah. I, I remember playing this back in college in like you know like ninety like ninety six. I mean that's how long it's been like uh sorry, ninety seven I think. So it's been so it's been out there for a long time. Those people do amazing work though, you know. Uh they do, yes. If you yep, go on so. uh romhacking.net, they oh there's always news about something. And uh I love it because there's there's articles that they'll put up and it's like this game was finally fully translated after five years of hard work and you know, and a lot of them are super Famicom games. Right. Yeah, exactly. No? Yeah. So, but, yeah. So awesome. So uh, thank you. So anyway, uh, that's going to be, that's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you again very much for listening to it. You're listening to us, everybody. We very much appreciate it. Uh, thank you again, Brett, for, 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 for coming on the podcast with us again. Hey, thanks guys. It's been a lot of fun. I'll talk to y'all later. All right. Uh, yep. Thank you very much. And everybody have a good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever it is. You're, whatever it is out there. there, there you and the this. semantics. Yes. <laughs> have a good Goodbye. time. There you go. <laughs> Let's generalize yep. it. Have a good time. Yep. And to like, uh, yep. And to quote George, zoop, zoop. <laughs> zoop, zoop. Zoop, zoop, okay. doobity, doop. I think that's what I said. I don't know. Something like that. Whatever. <laughs> zoop out. <laughs> zoop out. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep from power.